0: And welcome, friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you today. And today, friends, we want to talk about uh, how we can live lives following the Lord Jesus, how we can be lights in a dark world and exemplify that for our children in our homes. It's not just about giving our children the facts or the gospel, but it's living it out as well for our children And Today, we want to talk about uh, pro-life. I've been engaged in the pro-life movement since 1983. When we watched the silent scream at my college, I was 19 years old at uh, a little group called the Coalition of American Pro-Life University Students Campus in uh, San Luis Obispo, California. Us would have been again 1983, and uh, and we have been involved in the pro-life movement at so many different levels. Whether it's uh, the fun runs, uh, raising money for the crisis pregnancy centers, uh, I can remember uh, bringing. different uh, singers down to the campus. And we raised a couple, three, $4,000. Uh, Phil Kage came to our conference at one point and we raised a bunch of money for crisis pregnancy centers. We're still doing the same thing in our little local church out here in the Eastern Plains of Colorado. Our family has done abortion clinic prayer walks weekly, sometimes monthly. And now a couple of times a year, uh, we've done some protests with the signs. We've uh, had a lot of good conversations in front of abortion clinics through the years and uh, But, friends, I know some people are like, well, we're not really called to this. And it's true. Not everybody is called to engage politics at the same level. Not everybody is called to be an activist in a full-time capacity. We get that. Everybody, though, should be engaged at some level. The bottom line, friends, children are dying in this country. They're being killed by the millions. It is the glaring need of the day. It is the crying need of the day. I mean, if there, if there was a need for Christians to get out there and to be a voice for the helpless, it would be on this issue. To be silent is to be complicit. To refuse the light is to allow the darkness to dominate. I mean, that's that's where things are right now. And therefore, as Christian families, as those who participate in Christian churches, what would Jesus do? Remember the WWJD that came out, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago? What would he do if he stepped out into our world? You think he might be a voice for the most helpless people in this country, in the world? And that, of course, are the preborn infants who are being killed by the millions. And that's, of course, what the Christian church had done for the first number of centuries of the church coming out of the Roman Empire. They were the ones who were picking up children who were abandoned on the sides of streets. I think of Macrina, I think of the Cappadocian siblings. Uh, friends, if you read a little bit of my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, The Rise and Fall of Charity, you know it's Christians who were there. They were the first orphanages. Macrina was gathering children and, and, and keeping them in her home so that they, they weren't dying of exposure, which is the common way in which infanticide or abortion was done in the Roman Empire. But that sort of thing is what Christians have been doing from, from the very beginning. We, we, we reach out. We help the helpless. So so what do you do? What, what is your family doing? How are you acting as the light of Jesus in a very, very dark world today? So I, I recommend this new ministry. I just came upon it. Actually, one of our church members was sitting next to somebody who participated in the Love Life organization and shared a little bit. And then we were down at the Love Life uh, prayer walk in November here in the Denver area and it was just a tremendous vehicle for involvement super accessible not as if it was you know something where it took a lot to get involved it was just an excellent opportunity we stood there we prayed we shined the light in the darkness down at the uh, the one of the largest i think the second or third largest abortion clinic in the in the world and at least in this country and folks if there are any christians left in this country we we just have an obligation to shine in some way shape or form And I've been very impressed with Love Life, the training, the organization, a user-friendly, well-guided, thoughtful, and really simple and straightforward way to let your light so shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it Okay, you sing that, don't you? (laughs) We we all sing that in our homes. So, you know, why not, like, you know, follow through on that? (laughs) So so this is a great way to do it. And uh, so... I've I, I just gotten contact with the the director of Love Life Ministry, Daniel Parks, and he joins me now on the Generations broadcast. Daniel, welcome. It's good to have you here with Generations.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Just a, a little clarifying um, uh, bit of information here. I'm actually the uh, what we call West Coast Regional Shepherd, so I oversee all of our Love Life efforts. On the oh, okay. West Coast, so that's from Colorado all the way to California. So
0: okay, get, uh, very good. going to be
1: involved in that sort of thing. Very <laughs> good. And,
0: and and so this is coast to coast, and this this is all yeah, across absolutely. America. Yeah, give us a little background yeah. on, on Love Life. How did it get going?
1: So Love Life started back in 2016 and was started by uh, a businessman who's a friend of mine, Justin Reeder. And uh, Charlotte, many don't know, but Charlotte, North Carolina, is a city of churches. There's about 1,300 churches in the greater oh. Charlotte area. But it's also a destination for abortion. As a matter of fact, the Southeast's busiest abortion center is in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they do between 20 and 30 abortions every day, six days a week. Oh, boy. And uh, Justin Reader, as a businessman, Christian businessman, really just seeking direction from the Lord, what the Lord has next for him and for his family, and uh, was brought out to an abortion center, that that abortion center that I mentioned, by some another uh couple of friends of mine to a prayer meeting, and I use air quotes, prayer meeting. They were bringing him out there to show him what's happening in his city. As a businessman, like Christian businessman, we, we need to do something about the atrocities that are taking place in our city. So he was brought out to a prayer meeting in front of the abortion center, and uh, the Lord used that moment watching the women walk in because the reality is that many of us in the church have politicized or allowed the enemy to politicize the issue of abortion and And make it kind of like one of those issues that happens over there, kind of, you know, it's an ideological thing. But it's not until we see it with our own eyes, and that's what happened with Justin, is he saw it with his own eyes, the women walking into the abortion center. And he realized, this is happening in my city. And then knowing that Charlotte's a city of churches, the question is, like, where's the church? The church should be here. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the Lord began to download a strategy into his heart to unite and mobilize the church, which ultimately became... Love Life. And the strategy strategy is simply uh, get one church to adopt one of 40 weeks that we designate throughout the year, uh, symbolizing the 40 weeks of pregnancy. So at least one church to adopt one of those weeks where they focus on the issue of life for that week. Pastor preaches a message on life, the church prays and fasts on Wednesday, and then the church goes out to a prayer walk that's facilitated by Love Life. And then we get people connected beyond the prayer walk. And so that's sort of the strategy that God downloaded into Justin's heart and that happened in 2016 and ultimately love life uh, grew from Charlotte to uh, what we call the triad and then the triangle in North Carolina. And then in 2019 spread into New York city and then 2020, the Lord really used COVID strangely enough to sort of spread love life throughout the nation. So that's without getting into too many details. That's kind of a short okay. um, you know, explanation. Okay, life and how we started I,
0: I want to get back to this politicized thing because it is true that you know there are certain issues that get politicized only because people are seeking a political solution of sorts when when it's yeah. really more than that and that's what you're saying it's more than that it's a moral issue it's a spiritual issue it's even an educational yeah. issue that you know some people are just ignorant and so there's more to it and, and 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 we need to be addressing this at other levels that that's i guess yeah. what you're saying right
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah So, and we're not saying you don't get involved politically, but uh, I think we've come to the realization this cannot just be a political issue anymore. I think about the Plan B pill, think about the Are You 46? The kill pill by mail program. You know, wow, there's just so many other ways in which abortion can happen. And so, therefore, it seems as if, you know, the church needs to take a position, the pastors need to be shepherding the. We need to be reaching out to our neighbors. I mean, there's, this this is way more than a political issue now.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I, I just mentioned that because many of us have kind of absolved, when I say us, I mean, Christians and especially leaders have absolved ourselves of responsibility because we put it on the political shelf. We right, said, your right. politics will take care of it. And, you know, this is a Democrat Republican thing. When in reality, the issue, like you mentioned when you started, Christians have been doing this compassionate work since the beginning, right? The reality is it's our job to shine the light in the midst of darkness. It's our job, as Jesus said, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And should we vote? Of course. Of course we should vote. But if we only vote and don't act, then it's sort of a it's sort of a hypocrisy, really. And we're kind of, again, putting that issue on a political shelf um, just to kind of absolve our, our conscience of uh, any responsibility when the truth is this is happening in our cities Mm -hmm. and we can do something about it. Right. Daniel, it's
0: fair to say that everybody has a role in this, that all believers need to get involved at some level. I'm not, not that everybody has to be this full-time activist, but, but would you say at this point where we are right now in our country today, we just need to be involved at some level?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely at some level. And as a matter of fact, you know, we, we, kind of steer clear of the whole language of being activists and all of this and understand that language and, you know, certainly not faulting you for using it, but it's like to to us, this is not, this is not, you know, pro-life activism. This is Christianity 101. That's right. This Mm -hmm. is again, loving our neighbor as ourselves. You know, we often say we know when and where broken and hurting people are showing up and innocent lives are scheduled to die. We know when and where these places are. We know when they open their doors. We know that there are people there that we could reach with the gospel and with you know compassionate resources.
0: And you guys have made this thing so much more accessible. That was the thing that was impressive to me. Is now I, I've been kind of a, I'm an old timer. You know I, I go back to 1983, ten years after Roe, Way, Roe v. Wade, and I, you know it's 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 a, it's kind of old hat for me. But but it seemed to me that the organization, the prayer beforehand, the 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 training, et cetera, that was going on right there and then at a local park that was, you know, about two or three blocks away from the clinic. It's just a real um, atmosphere of peace, an atmosphere of of love and concern for each other, for the the babies and the, and the ladies that uh, are going through this process. There was a good spirit about it. I'll, I'll say that first. And then and then, you know, we're engaging in prayer. It's a prayer walk. and, and what, yeah. what better thing can you do? I mean, that seems to me be logical. That The very best thing you can do is to pray. Uh, you know, there's a point at which you're facing the darkness, and you are, but prayer just breaks through all of that. So, you know, and that spiritual conflict that's going on, and I sense that, you know, spiritual conflict's going on in the center of that city. We're breaking through. But it's not something that, you know, it's hard to do. I guess that's my point is, is this is something that's accessible. Yep. It's pedestrian. We can bring people into this. Um, not very many people from our church were there. I'm going to say maybe seven or eight of us were there. But this is something where I think all 247 of us could participate and it would be okay. I mean, including yeah. the children.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's our heart, really. I mean, we, we believe, uh, as you do in your radio program, in the importance of the family, first and foremost. I mean, the church itself is a, a family of families, right? And so we believe that this is definitely an appropriate, appropriate place for a family to come and to pray. We always stress the fact that with our prayer walks, we're not out there to protest. And not that protesting is bad. We certainly can protest and should protest things that are evil. But That's not what we're doing at a prayer walk. We're simply there to pray. Uh, We're not engaging with anyone at the abortion center. They're trained folks that do what we call sidewalk outreach that reach out and know how to reach the women effectively and all of that. We let those people do those things, people that are well trained to do so. But we're just there at the prayer walk to simply engage with the Lord in prayer. And uh, we see that ultimately God breaks through, like you said, and uh, it's pretty amazing what the Lord will do when his people show up and pray now
0: here here 's the way it works. Just so folks know the website is lovelife.org dot to get involved right now, but uh wh- you know we, we got together there was some i think worship music, we had some instruction, we had some testimonies of folks who had been impacted by love life um, I think two or three young ladies. Who kept their babies? Is beautiful to hear the testimonies. Very emotional. I, I mean, I cried during some of that. And then we we got basic instructions, and you know, there's probably sixty or seventy of us uh, began to walk, and we just sort of quietly walked. And uh, my wife and I were praying quietly out loud, and came to the front of the second or third largest abortuary, abortion clinic uh, in this country. And there we were all standing there, and then uh, the coordinators suggested that a couple of us pastors, you know, might pray. So we did. We prayed out loud, not real loud, but loud enough for all of the members of our group to hear us. And then we went ahead and and did a full circle around the full clinic and prayed the whole time and came back to the park. So I, I would say it took us about 20 to 25 minutes. It wasn't very long, but. It was a it was a good time. And I think, again, something that anybody could get involved with. And that is my point. Now, you you have other elements to the Love Life program as well. So I want to get into that. You have training. You you train people to, to get even more involved if they so wish to be or are called to that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the model of our ministry comes out of Nehemiah chapter one, two and three. And I kind of laid out earlier about how we get a church to adopt the week. And that week kind of goes alongside Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah heard the tragic truth that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. He prayed and fasted for something to be done about the restoration of Jerusalem. And then he went, so it's hear, pray, go. So the go part is when the church goes to the prayer walk. And then there's the connect piece at the end of the prayer walk. You know, Nehemiah began to connect people with various skills to rebuild the walls. And our heart is after the prayer walk, people's hearts are broken. They want to get involved Is to connect them to various areas where they can, you know, help us rebuild the walls, so to speak. And some of those areas are what we call sidewalk outreach, where people are trained to go out there to the sidewalks at the abortion center, reach the moms that are going in and point them in other directions, pregnancy centers and other resources and away from abortion. Another area where people can connect is to become a mentor. When a mom does choose life, we want someone from the church to walk alongside her. And really, it's a discipleship component there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also, it's just having a friend walking with this uh, with her through this pregnancy. Uh, another connection piece is post abortive healing. Many mm-hmm. people in our churches have abortions in their past and have never brought that to the light. And so there's another aspect there. Um, and then we also deal with foster care and adoption. And all of those four areas of connections, after people come to a prayer walk and their hearts are broken, we have a training component that coincides with that. And so we get people in-depth training to equip them to do those areas that they're desiring to get involved with.
0: Now you've got a program that was introduced to us, the house of refuge church. Uh, Yes. And uh, what, what is this? What is the house of refuge church? Of course we want pastors and churches way more involved in their communities at this level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So essentially a house of refuge church is a church that has said as a congregation, we will stand for life in our city. We will be a church where men and women can run to instead of running to the abortion center. The House of Refuge Church is a church that's going to be addressing the issue of abortion on a, on a regular basis. That doesn't mean we dictate to anyone how often they preach on abortion or anything like that. But we encourage the House of Refuge Churches twice a year, at least twice a year, to read what we call a House of Refuge statement, which essentially says we're a House of Refuge. We will never stand in support of abortion. But we will also never condemn you if you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, you can come to us. And so we make it, you know, for lack of a better term, a safe place for women to talk about their unplanned pregnancy so they don't feel that stigma um, that they shouldn't share. They shouldn't bring it to the light because they're going to be condemned. They're going to be judged or they're going to be gossiped about. And therefore, they run to the abortion center so that that stuff doesn't happen. The House of Refuge Church essentially says we won't allow for that. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, we won't allow people to gossip about you, to talk about you behind your back, to judge or condemn you. We're not going to support the sin that got you pregnant if, in fact, you were pregnant by sin, but we're also going to be a safe place where you can come and uh, and be ministered to. And so that's essentially what a House of Refuge Church is.
0: Daniel, how is that working? Um, I, I, I'm guessing this is a fairly new program. Uh, we heard a pretty good testimony of a young lady that was taken in by a local church here in the Denver metro area. How is that working around the country?
1: Yeah, it's working great. I mean, we're seeing churches rise up, churches that many that have never really addressed the issue of abortion because they thought it was political. And when you tell them and and help them to understand that we're, we're talking about discipleship, we're talking about standing with families who are in unplanned pregnancy situations. We've seen a lot of churches get involved and we've seen a lot of women like you described uh, be ministered to. Um, another kind of, because uh, we think, when we think about abortion, we think about it primarily happening to those who are outside of the church. But the reality is that about half of all abortions take place within the church. As a matter of fact, I think it's about a third of women that are considering abortion were in a Christian church within a month of their abortion. And so abortions are happening inside of the church. And the reason why a lot of times are happening, obviously, is because of sin and people don't don't obey the word of God. But also, the church is not addressing the issue of abortion. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of making right. we're kind of making it like it's one of those things that happens outside of there. When in reality, it's happening inside of our churches. And so, getting the church to talk about abortion, getting pastors to address the issue of abortion in a healthy way, has had a, a major effect on people within the congregations
0: org is the website. 130,000 people have been mobilized and 600-plus partner churches involved. And friends, I have not found anything better in terms of a, a program that can be easily worked into your family, your local church. You need to check this out. It's lovelife.org. Are you seeing more churches signing up, getting involved that have never been involved before?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's just been amazing to see again. Churches that have never talked about abortion now, pastors passionately, from the the pulpit, sharing about what the Bible says about life, and what the Bible says about abortion, and how we as a church are standing for life. And it's it's been pretty amazing. Like I said, churches that I never thought would even talk about, even say the issue of abortion from the pulpit, are fully embracing house of ref becoming a house of refuge, and even coming out of the prayer walks. Pretty amazing. Hmm. Well, Daniel,
0: any last words just to kind of motivate and get families involved in this? You're a homeschooling family. You've got kids. And this is the kind of thing that you want to convey to them that we as a yep. Christian families must get involved in the least of these, the ones that are most oppressed in our societies today.
1: Yeah. And we often say that the issue is not the darkness, the issue is the absence of light. We mm-hmm. can be, as the church and as families, we can be. A light in the midst of darkness, and we can be a light and shine the light of who Jesus is, even at these very dark places. I understand that there's uh, it's been intimidating to think you know go out to an abortion center and do a prayer walk. It's intimidating to think, hey, we might be out there and perceived as yelling at people and condemning and all this. But the reality is, you can go out there and you can stand in the love of Jesus and shine the light of who He is by just lifting up your voice in prayer. And I've seen God use, I mean, I've taken my uh, kids out to pray at the abortion centers and I've seen God use them as a display of the blessing that children are. Mm-hmm. We can be light in the midst of darkness. We just have to show up with the places where the darkness is.
0: You guys have made this doable and that's what I like about it. And friends, I know it takes a little bit of motivation to get out of your comfortable sofas and get out there and do something for Jesus. I I get that. It takes a little bit of motivation, but you know what? Jesus was motivated to come across the universe, uh, to be born as a man like us. And, uh, of course, uh, the birth occurred in, in a humble stable in Bethlehem. And then eventually he goes off to the cross and suffers and dies for our sins. So Jesus went to great lengths for us. What will we do for others? That's the question now that God has loved us. Now, what will we do? And I do think there's a tremendous reward. There's something amazing in the effect of just getting out there and being a light for Christ, however you do it. But, but here's a great vehicle by which you and your family can get involved some of the most important areas of our community, great, most important needs for our communities today, and that is uh, what lovelife.org provides for us. Hey, Daniel, thanks uh, for joining us today on the Generations broadcast. It's been great. Uh, Just pray God's blessing
1: on this ministry for the years to come. Thank you, brother. I appreciate what you do, and uh, appreciate your voice for the voiceless.
0: And you have been listening to the Generations radio broadcast. If you'd like to interact with the radio program, email me directly at hostofkevinswanson.com. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.